Blah, 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 blah. Welcome to Creative Block. We're your hosts, Gene. And V. We interview people in the animation industry about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. This is the hardest part, you say. <laughs> we asked people on Twitter if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Kiana Mai. Yay! Yay! Thank you for having me. Thank Thanks you for, for coming on, on the show. show. I'm so excited. I'm looking at all these prompts. I'm really looking forward to it. We have so many prompts. There's definitely a recurring pattern. <laughs> I think. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, you have a brand. I absolutely do. We'll get into that later. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but you're a storyboard artist. Tell us about who you are and what you work on. Yeah. So I'm Kiana, Kiana Con Smith, but I go by Kiana Mai, which is my middle name. Mm -hmm. I am a storyboard artist at Disney on Big City Greens. I also have a director's credit under my belt. Ooh on the show which is really cool yeah i've done character design on the show as well and i've done freelance boarding stuff for cartoon network and like chromosphere and also vizda of character design for dreamworks so i've been doing a nice. lot more stuff recently <laughs> wow mm -hmm. that is so cool like yeah that's you're awesome. really doing it all yeah i'm trying <laughs> <laughs> When was kind of like the moment, like, um, did you always know you liked to draw? Yeah, I, I would say so. I started drawing probably when I was about six, I want to say. Like, I learned how to draw from, like, the, like, Christopher Hart How to Draw Manga books. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a start. 100%. That is so funny. I, because um, my parents didn't really let us watch cartoons or anime much, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of my only exposure to really like drawing and like manga and anime for like a while. Um, so that was kind of where it all started for me, I would say. <laughs> and, like, where it all went downhill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that's where I pretty much started. Um, but after that, after they like let up and eventually let us start watching cartoons and stuff, I got super into like Powerpuff Girls and Foster's Home. And what else did I watch? Um, How old were you when you were like, quotation mark, allowed to watch cartoons? <laughs> uh, probably, oof, that's a good question. Maybe around like nine or 10. Like, regularly. Because, like, we would have, like, sometimes, like, Powerpuff Girls on, like, as a treat. <laughs> but then... Um, Can have little of Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, as a tweet. But for the most part, like, we had to have, like, parental supervision all the time. Um, and they finally, like, let us free when I was, like, about 10, I would say. And I just started watching, like, everything. And it was great. Mm -hmm. The chains were unleashed. Yes, exactly. There was no looking back. And I started watching Pokemon pretty late, too. Because... Pokemon, uh, like coming from a Christian home, our mm -hmm. family didn't really like Pokemon much. Like, oh, really? Monsters, demons. Like, interesting. Let's not get into that. And me and my brother, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess. It seems so safe. Like, I. You would think, right? But <laughs> yeah. Definitely uh, had a stigma in our house. I do remember as a little kid when I was like, because I got into Pokemon when. Uh, I was probably around 10. Uh, that was yeah. like the first gen too. And it was just like, 
I, and it was the beginning of the internet, you guys. Like, so it was still like 56K, right? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I would go, the only website I would go to was like this French version of like the Pokemon. And like, I, and then I Googled it and then I ended up, I, I don't know. I, no, Google didn't exist. So it was whatever browser was at the time. Yeah. And yeah. I ask Jeeves. I, yeah, probably. <laughs> Netscape or something? And Maybe. I did find websites of like Christian associations that were like super against Pokemon and they were like, yeah, because Abracadabra, uh, Lacazam, those are like kind of like occult references and stuff. So I remember that. Yeah, it was, it was wild, but definitely kept me and my brother away from Pokemon for a while. Uh, <laughs> but this, like, the funny part about it is like, we got into it because one day at a college football game, my brother found a copy of Pokemon Diamond on the ground, and we were like, "Mom, Dad, please!" Are you serious? This is like this is like a forty dollar game. You gotta let us keep this, please. That's so funny. And they like gave, and they're like, "Ah, oh, fine, okay." So it's like, like Jumanji. Yeah, right. So like right after that, we were like in it and our parents could not stop us and like it just led to me watching the anime my brother playing all the games oh. and then um what else the cards as well which were also a huge influence on my art i feel like sure i can see it so that's where that all started it's this forbidden fruit yeah <laughs> <You> can't <laughs> that's so funny so i think my parents are uh pretty, they're very happy about how it all worked out because uh i i feel like pokemon really influenced my art and i don't think i would have a job honestly in art if i didn't have pokemon it's, yeah it's paying the bills now oh 100 so. <laughs> percent. yeah so funny how it all started with this game that you found on the board this is like a movie i know it's so funny a blessing yeah <laughs> absolute blessing it's like glowing glowing on the sidewalk that's really yeah. funny so did you um did you go to school for art? I did. I went to California College of the Arts up in Oakland, California. Mm -hmm. I went there for three years uh, because I actually got picked up for Big City Greens before I graduated, like in my senior year. Very, very lucky. <laughs> yeah. I was not expecting that at all because definitely in college, I was in my junior year starting to get a little discouraged because I was getting like rejected mm. from pretty much every internship I had applied for I was like oh no Damn. I'm not good at art mm -hmm, what's yeah. going on but having Chris Houghton reach out to me just randomly and being like hey mm. we like your stuff you would would you want to test for our show was like huge for me and That's like boost in confidence and yeah I tried not to get my hopes up because like I had heard like oh testing can be pretty hard and it's like scary and you don't know and there's like so many talented people out there like I had been on Twitter at that point so I knew just how many like talented people there were out there and I was like oh boy well mm -hmm. I'm gonna give it a shot though like I mean it's Disney why wouldn't I mm -hmm. and yeah I did my test it was really like it was a wild time because I it was like midterms were coming up if I remember correctly so I was like preparing for that in school and then having this test on top of that was like uh extra like work to do oh yeah so, sure like in my head i was like well if i don't if i like beef this test like i don't want my grades to like go down because i focused on this too much right so 
I ended up doing all my classwork that week and then doing my whole test in like one night pretty much. Whoa, wow. But I mean, it all it all worked out because like after I turned in my test, uh, like two days later, uh, the line producer contacted me. It was like, hey, the guys really liked your stuff and um, we would love if you could like work on our show with us. But we know you're in school. Would you be willing to like come out? And I was like, oh, yes, for sure. <laughs> so I dropped out of school, like, immediately and had to oh, move wow. down in, like, two weeks. Damn. <laughs> and just started working. That is so great. So how old were you when you got that offer? Uh, I was 20. So it was, like, three years that's ago. That's crazy. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, that's something worth mentioning is that, like, I mean, between us, I think there's almost a decade. Yeah. But, like, Damn, baby. your experience is very different, I feel like. I, it's, like... It's interesting to come up from the internet. I mean, there's, you know, there's almost a generational gap. And I feel like you have such a good wielding of like the internet and as like a promotional tool. And like you've built such a huge following just being yourself, honestly. I mean, that's what's impressive is like nothing I feel like. Yeah, nothing, nothing that you post feels like you're trying to get likes or retweets or anything. You, You just gush about the stuff that you like yeah oh 100 (laughs) percent. which is team rocket (laughs) and other stuff and like and yeah and people really respond to it and like i think that's great and i feel like that's a really good example of like how people should go about it you know but like i maybe v can say her angle but like my angle is you know like i've been on the internet forever since like Mm -hmm. 96 but like I never feel like I really understood social media and still like to me it feels alien and I don't like to I don't like to post on there like yeah I feel I feel like it, it I don't know there's something that's like uncomfortable to me about it and I just don't want to expose myself but no that's fair <laughs> but but it's like from your angle like I, I'm curious like at what age did you sort of come on to you know the internet and social media and like how did it feel and how did you sort of figure out your lane like how did you figure out how you wanted to handle it yeah so i think most people know that i definitely almost exclusively kind of just draw fan art (laughs) on Mm -hmm. on the internet and that is exactly how i started like literally nothing has changed um i think the first time i was like on the internet was oh man i must have been 13 ish like 2010 on deviant art doing a Pokemon next generation comic (laughs) about like the children of the cast of the Pokemon anime. And that was like my first, that was pretty much the first thing I did and like was known for on the internet, I would say. Mm -hmm. So I've been on the internet for a while now. I guess it has been like 10 years, which is crazy. But that's pretty much how I started, just drawing fan art, drawing Pokemon, drawing Team Rocket. I have been drawing Team Rocket for 10 years. It's Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's the anniversary. <laughs> it is. It truly is. Um, but I just, yeah, I just like, I just love Pokemon so much. And like that love has never really died. And like, I've always enjoyed drawing it just because like, I love the style of it. I love the characters. And it's just like. I think the fact that it was like forbidden for a while for me also like added to the appeal. But yeah, that's kind of how I started on uh, DeviantArt. But then like after that, where I think where I got my biggest following was I ditched that account (laughs) and then (laughs) moved to a different one to draw My Little Pony stuff because that was big at the time. And I got super into the show and uh, became the show was so cute horse horse famous for a hot minute. 
Sure. And gained my following there. And then after I was done with that, went back to Pokemon and then kind of like hopped back, like hopped into Tumblr and Twitter rather than just DeviantArt. And uh, I got lucky because I think a lot of the people that that followed me, like started following me for more than just like my fan art stuff and just kind of like, like for following me for like anything that I was drawing, which is really nice um, to just kind of have like a bunch of people that liked my art for my art and not just like oh because i'm drawing this character that they like all the time yeah it's a good start i mean i i i had a moment where i was drawing fan art and it's like it's a good way to attract people to to you and your you know style your brand whatever whatever it is oh for but sure. it's like and you're also you're getting people who share interests as you so you're you yeah. know that you're, you're like you're already building a relationship with them in a way like with your fans oh absolutely I would also say just like, even without thinking just about social media at all, I feel like right. fan art is such a great way to improve one's skills. I feel like drawing fan art is just, well, first of all, it's fun because if you're doing it, you mu- like you like the show, right? So you're yeah, just Yeah, hopefully fun. you like it. Yeah. 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 And then you, I don't know, like I realized there was a moment I drew a bunch of fan art and it it really taught me so much about drawing because you know when you like emulate another style then you learn from that style (laughs) yeah I think that was like the most fun part about it for me too um doing fan art because I love drawing in different styles and like trying to emulate other people's styles like the like a few years ago I did like a six artist tag and I think it's kind of like not the tag but like the uh, challenge has kind of come back where you're like oh draw like yourself in like your mutual style yeah it floats around it comes and goes yeah so like i always loved challenges like that because i feel like you learn so much just from like trying to figure out how somebody does something like whether it be like how they use shape or how they like even just down to like the technical like what brushes are they using for their line art or like yeah how do i like replicate that and mm-hmm. like with the tools that I have kind of thing mm-hmm. so I always thought that was like a very valuable like lesson to learn and like just a skill to try out Absolutely. and like I I get the same thing from like doing fan art as well like just kind of closely analyzing like a show style pretty much yeah yeah I um I kind of want to ask you a little bit about when you were in middle school slash high school. Like, did you kind of do any art classes or did you just mostly focus your art like on posting it onto the internet or kind of how was, how was your relationship to art during that time in your life? Yeah, I pretty much just had like the basic art classes that you would usually have in like middle school, high school, a lot of like painting and like art history kind of stuff. So not necessarily like stuff that I wanted to do, but like still valuable, of course, like it's always good to learn like the fundamentals and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But pretty much everything else I learned and like how I got my style, I feel like came from just looking at other people on the internet or watching cartoons and anime. But yeah, I feel like it's a pretty common experience for people my age at I least so. yeah like having the internet is such like a useful tool like there are so many kids online nowadays are just so powerful i'm like yeah. how oh, on man. earth how on earth can you draw like this you're so talented like yeah. i am like 
I am so excited to see like what Gen Z brings to like animation yeah. in like the next ten years. Hundred percent. Yeah, we mentioned it in a previous episode. The the idea of like you know the generation that's like molded by the internet. It's you're not like grown into it you're just kind of born with it and so you're like yeah and that that's like i think you're one of the youngest board artists or just artists in animation that i know and so like it's it's an interesting perspective to me to to kind of learn about and i think other people are probably interested in it too yeah i definitely think we have a huge advantage like having all this access to like information that was just like a mystery before i feel yeah. like yeah would you say that like you learn from tutorials that you found on the internet? Not even necessarily tutorials. It was just like looking at other people's drawings and seeing like what other people were kind of like latching onto and being like like oh people kind of like this style. I kind of want to try this style because like up to like that point, like all I had really known was like either cartoons or just like my. Christopher Hart <laughs> manga, <laughs> how to draw books. So like seeing different, like such vastly like different styles from like so many different kinds of like people was like really cool and like opened up my eyes to just like, oh, there's just like so many different ways to draw and so many different types of art styles that I want to like try emulate and like bring to my own style pretty much. Yeah, well, that's a good way to learn. Yeah. Start with what you like and then you kind of... uh mash it all up and figure out what what it is that you want to like what you want to keep what you want to throw away oh absolutely that is so great i love that yeah i like watching you draw jesse because <laughs> you you do it with such care and precision you're it's... just like redrawing the same line over and over yeah i got I, but you you have you have love for jesse you want to make I sure that super do i've been shitting out like bad like executor no, or whatever and so buff pikachu good. and then you're like you're like carefully like every line is so deliberate <laughs> i think i think it's really funny no i love these characters so much they're very much oh i get it the reason i think why i stuck with pokemon for so long that's a good question so like what what is it about pokemon that really excites you and i guess especially jesse and james yeah god I feel like in general, I've always liked villain characters more mm -hmm. in like any form of media, just because like, I don't know, they're just w written so interestingly, not that like heroes can't be, but like, I don't know, you always want to know like the why to why these characters are doing the things that they do. Sure. And I feel like for me, Jesse and James is like whole characters and like personas were kind of the introduction for me to like tragic backstories oh, okay that was like my first encounter with that um because like i didn't get to watch pokemon when i was younger and we got and me and my brother got into pokemon around diamond and pearl mm -hmm. the first episode i ever watched of pokemon was called crossing paths in the oh i forget what season it is but like the diamond and pearl series and mm -hmm. it's about jesse like letting go of her pokemon in a very like bye bye butterfree kind of way Oh, okay, Have you yeah. seen that episode? Oh, yeah. It's pretty much that, but with Jessie. But, like, for her, it was about, like, her dust talks wanting to find, like, love. And then Jessie having to, like, sacrifice, like, that, like, her Pokemon, basically. And, like, letting it go because it fell in love. And, like, there's, like, a bunch of flashbacks to her past of, like, her, like, lost love. And, like, 
her like failings as like a trainer and all this like really sad stuff and like as a like 12 year old i think like i was just like sobbing like oh no she's so much like more than i thought she was (laughs) and like that really led me down like the rabbit hole of like trying to figure out more about these characters and like learning about their backstories and like figuring out like everything i like i wanted to know everything about their past and like why they are the way they are and i don't know they're just like really well written characters in my opinion like there's a lot more to them than you see on the surface but i like that's like the charm of them too it's like they're just kind of like goofy at the end of the day uh, which i also really enjoy sparks your imagination i guess oh for sure yeah that's kind of where that love for them kicked off (laughs) gotcha gotcha vita is there anything you wanted to ask kiana I was thinking, like, since we're kind of moving into inspiration, like, obviously, Pokemon is, like, a huge inspiration for you in terms of art, but, like, you were just kind of mentioning when you were talking about Jesse's backstory, would you say that it's inspired you also in terms of writing or any other, like, aspect of, I guess, making art? Yeah, I mean, personally, like, I didn't think I would ever get into like the industry as fast as I did so like the idea of like pitching my own kind of stories and like trying to come up with new things on my own never really occurred to me or like it never was like a thing that like I thought I could do but like now that I am kind of in that place where I'm like oh I do want to pitch like it's making me think about like character a lot more and like wanting to like write characters like as compelling as Jesse and James, like, are to me, and, like, giving that, wanting, like, other people to have, like, that experience that I did, like, finding out about Jesse and James's past and being, like, so invested in characters like that. But currently, like, since I'm just a a board artist on Mm -hmm. (laughs) Big City Greens, and there's, like, not much I could personally do about, like, backstories and whatnot, it's all kind of just, like, stuff in my head at the moment that I would love to show the world at like some point sure I was gonna say though like your your job as a board artist correct me if I'm wrong but is Big City Greens board driven or script driven yeah funny thing about it is like it was completely board driven like outline and then board artists uh write all the dialogue and everything um so it was like that for a good while until like recently we switched over to scripts but it like our bosses were very like open and like telling us like hey let's like we want to move over to scripts but we still want to kind of keep like that same like flavor that we had in like the first season which was like a lot like due to like the board artists the board artist input so like we still definitely change up the scripts that we get a lot like similarly to how we did how we did board driven stuff so it's a good jumping off point having the scripts I think but it's not as board driven as it used to be it's kind of weird but like I actually like it a lot Mm -hmm. because I was gonna ask you how long did you spend on the show when it was board driven and how long when it was script driven I started on Big City Greens at the end of season one so let's see about two and a half years board driven and then like very recently yeah that's a big shift yeah just switching over to script stuff. So mm-hmm. I've only been doing script for maybe a couple months now, a few months. <laughs> oh, okay. So that yeah, that is recent. Yeah, extremely recent. 
it's would you say it has kind of helped the the workload for for you do you feel like you're able to go a little bit like dig a little bit deeper in your in your craft on yeah i would say so like it's been very nice because like oh the pandemic (laughs) yeah yeah it's been like a nice load off of my shoulders to just be able to like look at a script and like not have to stress about like oh i need to write like every single line and like every single joke it's just like oh it's exhausting yeah. yeah i can kind of rely on the script a little bit more and like it's nice because like we also have more of like a gauge of what the timing a little bit more because like with board driven you kind of just have the outline and like not really a sense of like oh is this episode gonna be too long am i gonna be like under time but like with the scripts like it's kind of figured out a little bit more so it's a lot less stress in that way yeah, I, I think it's been really beneficial to everybody to do this, to do things this way, for sure. This is going to be a million dollar question. Would you, if you ever had a show get picked up, would you do board driven or script driven? <laughs> oh, man, that's such a hard question. I like <laughs> just having like done board driven and like seeing like the product. I'm like, oh, 100% board driven. But like, it's also very hard, I feel like to do board driven stuff like for like one thing like hiring people that can draw and write is very tricky but then also like yeah it's a lot to manage on like the uh like it's a lot more loose and open which I think is fun but also it's like it leaves a lot of room for like mistakes and like stuff that has to be taken care of like down the road I think like eventually like everybody kind of figures out the system but like I imagine like the first season i think of any board driven show is kind of rough for a little bit just trying to figure everything out i think the first season of of any show is gonna be rough so it really is just kind of pick your poison to, to a degree yeah for sure it's always gonna suck i don't know i think they both work really well just seeing like how many like amazing script driven shows that there are out there and just like having had so much fun when big city was board driven yeah it's hard to say I, I think maybe I would say board driven just because that's how I started and, and what is what I'm like still kind of a little more used to. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, that's just my experience. Sure. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's it's different. And I, I there's people who love the board driven and they love to like, it feels more like, like you contribute more and it's like your episode. Oh, 100%. Yeah. That's definitely the best feeling, I think. Like, For sure. You could just be like, wow, like I did that. Like I wrote that. Mm-hmm. I remember getting my first episode back, like full animation and like all the voices. I was just like, wow, this is like me. <laughs> like, this is so cool. And just mm-hmm. like, ha- like having that ability to just like put in my like my humor and like my writing sensibilities and like seeing it just like on TV was so surreal. Yeah. yeah. I was so happy. Um, I still get that feeling though, like on script stuff, like whenever I see stuff come back, like I still feel like I contributed like a lot to it for sure is it like at the end of the day like all cartoons are just like a huge are just like a product of like everybody's hard work yeah it's it's very collaborative yeah yeah i just love cartoons (laughs) 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 don't care how they're run what other right yeah other than pokemon yeah what other what other influences do you have like what kind of stuff do you feel like shaped you and it doesn't have to be animation doesn't have to be you know even like drawn like movies but uh yeah i'd love to know what kind of stuff like really inspires you Hmm. manga was a big one like 
comics and stuff. Mm-hmm. I used to get manga all the time just to look at the pictures. Like, I think for the most part, like, I had so many different manga back in the day, but I could not tell you what they actually were <laughs> just because sure. I was too busy just, like, looking at the pictures pretty much. So, like, a lot of manga, definitely just those old drawing books and family, really, because, like, my family is pretty artistic, actually. Oh, yeah. So, like, none of them are actually have art careers or anything, but, like, my mom Uh has always, like, as a hobby, just done, like, knitting and, like, crocheting and, like, lots of, like, crafts and stuff like that. And, um... My dad just like is a like works in an office, but like his he's just really good at drawing. Like I remember drawing with my dad all the time when I was a kid. Like because he really liked uh, Marvel comics and like DC comics when he was younger. Mm-hmm. So like I guess he just had that ability in him because like I'd never really seen him draw before. But then like when he like would draw with me, like it was always just so good. I'm like where did you learn how to draw like that? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> That's how my dad is too, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. like had this like natural talent that I had no idea. <laughs> I was like, where did yeah. this come from? Just keeping it secret. Yeah, my, my dad would draw like little comics for me when I was little and I don't, I have never oh, seen him draw cute. since. Right? I don't know. It, yeah, it just has a hidden talent. Oh, for sure. It's like, yeah, I was like, oh, jealous. Hello. <laughs> like, I wish I could just draw without practicing. What the heck? <laughs> I'm sure he's been drawing for his whole life, just doesn't show any. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. He's been living a lie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is like that is also like a big one though. Like family, I feel like has very mm. much influenced my art. Not in just like oh, like teaching me how to draw. Uh, just like them really supporting my art career. I feel like like I was very lucky to have parents that were like so cool with me going into animation and like never really like pushing me for me to like try something that I didn't want to do I don't know I feel like a lot of parents kind of push their kids to like find like a more like oh stable job or like a job that's gonna make them like a lot of money but like ever since like I was a kid like my parents have always been like they've just so support they've absolutely been my number one supporters supporters in my like artistic journey that's awesome I feel like yeah so definitely family and like I don't know I think when you like you're a board artist, like a storyteller. Like real life is just a huge inspiration as well. Just like all the people around you, like being able to like those experiences and like drawing from that, which is probably like one of the number one things I learned from school as an artist is like always draw from life. And that can mean like, oh, like as far as like poses go and just studying and like being observant of like, people and stuff like that and like anatomy but like also like how people act and like like you could come up with like a lot of like fun little stories just by like people watching and like being aware of what real life people are doing (laughs) i feel like yeah definitely yeah yeah observation is huge yes i uh i was gonna ask about is there is there also like music or like books or any other kind of like medium that has influenced you or you could even be like on the internet if there's like websites give us those deep cuts i want to know some like weird weird obscure shit that you found that nobody else knows about oh god uh i'm not sure i'm like so uncultured (laughs) because i got into like everything so late like even like music and like i was very sheltered 
child so like everything like I know is extremely like mainstream I feel like like I haven't really come into my own completely yet but it's cool too though honestly I feel like mainstream music okay this is probably a me fact but like for the longest time my parents or like my dad was like no no mainstream anything because it's not original enough or whatever right and it's only just like recently that I'm like it's okay to listen to chart like top billboard music and I'm like yay I can finally listen to I don't know Zed and like it right no one can tell me it's not good Yeah. That's so indie and and, uh, and cool. So well, it was just kind of more of a like classical music, classic. Oh, music. I see. Kind of. Okay. So it okay. was either that or just like I don't know, you know. But I'm just saying that mostly because I think there is something really interesting about mainstream music is that it is produced by a lot of different artists. Like it's not just one person who does like for yeah. sure. You have like a team of like at least 10 different people. There's right? a lot of people when you right? start looking at the credits. Yeah. 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 And it's like making a movie, right? It super is. Oh my gosh. But yeah. I just think it's so interesting to think about that and that like, because like mainstream music, when you really listen to it, you it's kind of like a movie also in terms of like the rhythm. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of want to, or like a roller coaster, you kind of want to start it like, like kind of slow kind of amp it up kind of like kind of slow and then you kind of start like having your drops and like your big moments and your big chorus and it's like kind of like your i don't know i just like to make parallels between different mediums yeah for sure he talks about her love of pop music yeah i I love pop music it's no shame yeah so i i definitely like i want to try like branch out and like listen and like watch more different things but I, I like the hardest part for me is just like knowing where to start just because like there's so much <laughs> out there it's it's too much yeah. yeah and it's like it's very easy to like get stuck in your like little comfort zone which i think i've definitely done for a long time and um i would love to just like like anytime i stream i always just like ask people hey do you guys have any like music recommendations mm-hmm. or like movie recommendations and just like learning something new every time i do yeah. <laughs> just like so everybody's just like into such cool different things and like i would love to be able to find like my own little niche that i could get into for sure <laughs> i had to go through like an i had to go through an education of my own at some point like i i mean i still am very limited in what kind of music i listen to it's just i like i'm really picky but right with with movies i I guess I grew up watching movies with my parents and stuff, but then I remember, like, around college, I was just, like, consuming so much because there was a lot that I hadn't seen and a lot that right. I was interested in, and I burned myself out. And, like, oh, no. I still I still watch a lot of movies, like, more than I think the average person. I've, like, I've, like talked to other people, and I realized that the amount I watch is not normal. It's, yeah. like, <laughs> for a time, it was, like, uh, like, two a week almost, like, maybe more. Uh-huh. And... I think now in quarantine, everyone is, you know, just watching a lot more media. But for a long time, like, I, uh, yeah, it was like a constant thing for me. But right. it is helpful. I mean, it, it did, um, 
it made me snobbier, which is maybe the the bad side of it. Like I, yeah. I, I have a really hard time enjoying things now because I've just watched so much shit. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, this reminds me of this. Like this, they already did this, and then you know, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it taints the experience. But like, but I, I do have a, a well of knowledge of just like, I mean, even it, it applies to storyboarding. You know, like I, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that I just like know. Uh, I have examples of, and I have like a library of of compositions and things in my head. Yeah, I think that's a really valuable skill to have, and I think that's something like I would really like to tap into more and like tap into again. Because um, like I, in college. They definitely do that. Like they make you watch like all these like really obscure kind of like yeah. films. And like at the time I was just like, I don't really want to do this though. <laughs> like why should I care? But then like I feel like I, I definitely did go through like a snob period. I think a lot of college art students do though, right? <laughs> like Yeah. Just like, oh, I know like better than everybody else and like I've seen this movie and like this movie and this is how you should storyboard and like this is what cinematography is so I definitely went through that after like a year or two of like college but like I don't know I just like I just like goofy stuff (laughs) I don't know that's fine (laughs) I had a uh I had this like down-to-earth moment where i thought that i was so knowledgeable about like indie movies and stuff that's like not in the mainstream man yeah and then i i was at a party with with some people and this this guy was i think i said like yeah i, I watch a lot of movies i'm into like you know indie movies mm-hmm. and the guy was like oh cool like what kind of stuff you're into i'm like i don't know like this is i like named some shit that i liked and he was yeah. like oh, okay he's like have you ever seen like this you know it was like death orgasm whatever and i was like <laughs> No, I don't. I don't know what that is. He was just like naming these movies that like I had never heard of in my life, and I quickly, I quickly realized that I don't know shit. And that guy, he wasn't being condescending even, but I just like I had such a wake up call of like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I I thought that like my knowledge of like Wes Anderson and A twenty four movies was enough, and I, I was like, oh, I'm a Wes Anderson is not indie. I know. Well, no, I was a that's a that's a mainstream example, but like. There, I mean, I I watch a lot of stuff, but I just this the the movies that I was naming were like not right. It was not like on the level that he was, and I was For like, sure. I gotta I gotta educate myself more. I've been watching a lot of uh, like Japanese dramas and stuff. I don't know. Ooh, oh, that would I would love to get into more foreign like films and stuff like that. I highly recommend. There's two movies. So I got I really got into this director, Cora Eda. I think I mentioned him on the podcast before, but he his best two movies arguably maybe are uh like Father Like Son where it's like basically the plot is that like there's a two families whose kids had gotten swapped when they were babies mm-hmm. and uh they they learn about the swap when the kids are like seven or something i think they're seven and they have to decide if they want to swap them back to be with their right parents or keep these kids that they've and it's drama brutal it's brutal but it's amazing and it's but it's not like melodramatic it's like it plays it really quiet and straight and like it's fantastic and then there's um, a movie called shoplifters about this i think it's called shoplifters about this family that like they're very poor and that's just like kind of how they make their living is just like stealing oh okay and it's just like again it's like a quiet family drama but then i've gone down a rabbit hole of watching like a shitload of other movies by uh and like some are better than others but they um it's it's good it's like different it's not like any 
American indie movies that I've seen, even like right. family dramas, because American movies like Western, I would I would say tend to be a little more over the top. Yeah. And here, like the conflict is sometimes so low key mm-hmm. that it's like I don't even notice it happening. <laughs> like, yeah. like a, a scene will play out and then I'm like, oh, wait, that was important. Like that was yeah. <laughs> that was like a serious moment. But I just didn't I'm, I'm used to everyone screaming at each other and like, oh, for sure. And so I'm like, OK. But I, I love that. It's a very different experience. It's a good. It's a good um, director's. It, it's a good director to get into during quarantine when you just want something to like vibe out to and not stress you out. It's like yeah, this is, this is good. It's like it's conflict, but it doesn't hurt my brain. <laughs> this is what I want. Yeah, yeah. I would love to get into stuff that's just like co- like completely beyond like anything like I've consumed currently. Yeah. Like I, I just feel like it's really valuable to like not get stuck in your own little bubble and like ways of doing things and ways of like telling story as well yeah mm-hmm. like there's just so many different ways to yeah i don't know that seems really interesting i'll definitely have to check this director out oh yeah i think something that people should also not forget is that like netflix dvds still exist like yeah <laughs> i i've been getting i actually just this week uh unsubscribed from netflix dvds because like i just my queue was empty honestly that's really what it came down to i like yeah. had watched everything i could even think of and nothing's coming out right but like i feel like a lot of people are stuck in this box of like what's on streaming Mm -hmm. and i am constantly disappointed by what's on streaming because it's like there's honestly just there is decades and decades of movies and and tv shows but let's say movies especially like Mm -hmm. over the you know the last century that are just not anywhere. Like, there's a lot of really good shit that's not anywhere. And uh, and it sucks. And so for a long time, I was I, I would be cycling through, like, two movies a week. Like, I would rent something. It would arrive. I would watch it. I would send it back, get a new one mm-hmm. um, for a long time. And so that's just something I think to keep in mind is, like, that stuff's still around. And it's pretty cheap. It's, like, 10 bucks. Man, we got to get sponsored by them. But yeah, it's right. like it's like it's like 10 bucks and it's uh yeah, you get like unlimited movies. You just have to wait for them to arrive, but it like you it's like a thing. You like you get a movie, you get you know, you pop some popcorn. It's like there's a little more like Yeah, that's no, fun. It's like more, it's like it, an experience. <laughs> it's like it's like back when you actually had to rent movies from Blockbuster. It yeah. like felt more purposeful whereas now it's like you spend more time browsing than you do actually watching. Oh, 100%. It sucks. <laughs> whatever's on there yeah i i hate that like kind of like uh the idea is that instead of opening a brow like a streaming service and and browse through the idea would be just like to have a purpose before you watch something yeah that was kind of something mm. i don't know if you, you guys have watched the social media like the that wait what was the the social dilemma on netflix no, no, I haven't. It's not, you know, it's it is what it is. But uh, I, that's kind of yeah. what like one of the <laughs> that was the ad, the advice from the guy at the end of the documentary was like, when you go on YouTube, just type in what you actually do want to watch. Don't right. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that like there's definitely a different a change in how people are experiencing media, I guess, because like it used to come with more purpose where you knew what you were, you were seeking stuff out and you would find it and you would have to acquire either uh, a tape. You'd have to go to the, you know, to the store and rent stuff. And now we have so many options and like so much stuff that 
it's like I was saying, like you end up spending more time browsing, but also people passively watch a lot of things. And like, I don't know, maybe I'm an old man, but like, I feel like something stuff gets stuff loses purpose and value when it's just this, like, it's all content, you know, quote unquote. For sure. That's always been the case. Like, you know, with the radio, with TV and all That's that. true. It's That's true. Like, you could always passively consume stuff. That's true. Maybe yeah. it's specifically movies, I think, that it, it was harder to to seek movies out in the past where it's like either you see them in the theater or you rent it. You know, it's like there was it was a little bit harder I guess there's stuff on TV, but that's like always the shittiest movie. <laughs> it was like, yeah, this, this, it was like all Adam Sandler movies. But enough about being old grumps and more about Kiana. <laughs> Let's hear. Yeah, a, a young grump. Young grump. <laughs> about. <laughs> uh, less about being old parts. Let's hear about like, what are in terms of like your personal life like what are your personal projects or in like your hobbies and also i think it would be really great it's something that we haven't asked a lot of our guests but i think it would be really great to kind of like have your thoughts on like the like your balance like how you see the balance between art and life yeah oh let's see what do i do what do i do uh, don't do what much do do? nowadays, but like, because oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're just like inside all day. I've definitely taken up like streaming a little bit more, um, just like drawing, like stuff like this, just like doodling for fun and like talking mm-hmm. to people. That's probably like the number one thing I've kind of picked up a little bit more over this quarantine. In the past, I used to do a little bit, little, little bit of music, um, like played the ukulele, I did piano for oh, a little cool. bit. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. And before before that when i was in hawaii like uh because i'm from hawaii i -hmm. would go like hiking a lot like walking a lot just like being outside going to the beach i've found that to be a little bit more difficult in la (laughs) yeah so i definitely miss that i don't even know where to walk yeah yeah right i've i've definitely missed that i think the most about being in hawaii other than family of course sure they're still back in hawaii yeah, my parents moved to D.C. for my dad's work. And then oh, okay. um, pretty much everybody on my mom's side of the family, though, like my Japanese side of the family, all mm-hmm. still lives in Hawaii, mm-hmm. which I would have gone to this year had it not been for COVID. I went this year. I went for the first time in February, right? Like right before quarantine. Oh, wow. Good oh timing. Gosh. Where did you go? Or which island? Uh, I went to Big Island and... Oh, um, and uh oahu yeah that's the one i'm from yeah wait where did i go where's honolulu yeah oahu oahu okay i i liked it a lot it was really nice and like i am very jealous of anybody that grew up there (laughs) and like just got to kind of it's just such a chill calm place and like and that's like the the stereotype but man when you're there it's like no it like time like legitimately slows down like i remember going back to Hawaii like the first time like after being in like Oakland like for school and then just like I remember just going there just feeling like uh, like immediately just turning to jello and just like oh the feeling of just like going slow and just like cruising Mm -hmm. and just like being with family not really have any like any plans and just kind of like relaxing it's so nice and then like going back and then immediately getting like whiplash <laughs> it sucks it's like yeah it's so like yeah i mean i was there on vacation so i was in full vacation mode but oh yeah yeah just like driving around and like stopping at the beach and like 
I tried surfing for the first time. And, uh, it was exhausting. I almost died. I feel like I almost died. Like, yeah. I, like <laughs> I was more tired than I have maybe ever been. Yeah, surfing is hard. I'm it's not hard. much of a surfer. Like, I've done it before, but um, I like I like paddleboarding a lot more, which is also tiring. In, like, I gotta try way. that. Yeah, it's very fun. A lot more chill, but like a lot less scary because you're just uh, in, yeah. like calm waters. But yes. um, definitely yeah. a big old arm workout for sure. It was like the instructor I had was the most like Hawaii dude ever. Yes. Super tan, just like ah, bruh. And like uh he was a nice guy, he was very nice. Shout out whatever your name is, I don't know. Yeah. But um he yeah, it's like he kept you know, to surf you have to like go out where the waves are and it mm-hmm. was the beach that we went to was like pretty well known for surfing, but like I don't remember what it was called. But the the guy just kept like, Come on man, let's go, let's go, let's go out on the waves. And the part that hurt the most the next day is just my stomach because you're on, you're laying on the board so much. Oh, for sure. And it's just like, I think I was just like, it was just a giant unseen bruise on like the front of my, I just, I was so like tender just from having to like lay on the surfboard. Yeah. But anyway, what did you, what kind of stuff did you do? Like you said that you were doing more walking around in Hawaii, but like, what were you into any of like the sports other than paddle boarding? Um, not like. I guess like stereotypically like Hawaiian sports like uh, canoeing or like mm, paddleboarding mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But I did do a lot of sports as a child and a teenager. Mm-hmm. Like I did, oh boy, track, cheerleading, gymnastics, karate. Mm, that's a lot. Wow. Tennis, soccer, volleyball. I did flag football at one point. Damn, you're sporty. Okay, that's a lot. Yeah, basketball. I did pretty much everything. I also my family is also very athletic, very sporty people. So I I have been doing sports for a long time, and it wasn't until like I feel like most artists don't. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I definitely stopped though. Like as soon as I went to college, because like art colleges don't have sports like at all. Yeah. And yeah, it was like it was definitely weird, like going from doing sports like every day all day like on top of school and everything and then just like focusing on drawing full-time was really strange to me would you say that maybe um having that schedule of doing sports on top of school kind of taught you some kind of um work ethics for that became useful for drawing oh for sure yeah like i that's like the number one thing i learned in high school i think was time management um because i did i did all those sports (laughs) and then on top of that i was in ib international baccalaureate program Mm -hmm. um which is essentially like college level ap courses except it's like every single one of your classes so like i was a smart kid i graduated with like a 4.6 gpa wow nice were you valedictorian yeah yeah valedictorian so yeah i was i was a very smart kid and like that's pretty much like where all my time kind of went, was just sports and academics, and then just kind of drawing on the side in my free time. Like anytime, like I was starting to feel like stressed or overwhelmed, just do like a doodle or something. So art really helped me like cope <laughs> in that way, <laughs> but it definitely taught me time management because you're like, because like yeah, you have what school from like eight to three, and then right after. Like, the bell rings get, like, geared up for whatever sport you're going to do for, like, two hours, two hours tops, and then go home, do, like, your homework for, like, all eight of your classes, and then, like, call it a day, 
which is a lot to kind of manage as like a 15 year old (laughs) yeah yeah no kidding so like I was so stressed in high school I was so so stressed and I was like oh man the real world's gonna be crazy but then when I went to college like college was like such a breeze for me comparatively just because like I didn't have to focus on school like or not not school but like sports and then doing school on top of sports it was just like working on my projects and like the fact that it was like drawing and something that I like really really wanted to do and wished I had more time to do when I was in high school was just like really special so like I was cruising in college (laughs) I was having the time of my life just like being able to draw and do all these like animation projects and like just getting to spend so much time with my artwork and I feel like I just I grew so much in college like exponentially when you say you grew like uh, artistically but also or you mean also as a person oh both for sure like I I learned a lot about myself in college because <laughs> like like I said before like I grew up very kind of like sheltered like not exposed to like a lot of different media not exposed to a lot of different people like very Christian kind of religious household mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So going to, like, a very, like, liberal, like, art college <laughs> definitely opened my you, eyes to... You learned some shit. Yeah, I, it opened my eyes to a lot of uh, different things, including, like, oh, myself. Like, wow, realizing, like, I like girls. Like, I'm gay, actually. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of, like, my current, like, views on, like, politics and all this kind of stuff that, like, we never really talked about in my house, like, prior. So I learned a lot about myself and grew in that way and came into my own so I had like a a late start but I don't know I'm happy with where I am now for sure yeah is that do you would you feel comfortable talking about going back home and like telling your parents about your new views on the world (laughs) oh yeah my parents are like super loving and caring like I love them so much oh that's great yeah they were super supportive of when I came out like I definitely was like crying a lot being like ah sure that's a lot coming out so scary but like i could tell they genuinely like genuinely like wanted to understand and um they were super cool about it it was like very new to them so like on top of that like i didn't want to freak them out too much either but they were like they were so sweet and like they're still continuing to learn and like are so Mm -hmm. loving towards like my girlfriend and like even my ex like who was my girlfriend at the time when I first came out, like they were, they treated them like family. And oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest of my family was also the same as well. So Mm -hmm. very lucky to have them, even though like they were like had different views at the time. Like they're definitely like, they've made an effort to like understand like me and like everybody else and like all my friends and everything. So like very happy that they're that kind of like those kind of people and not just like, stuck in their ways <laughs> sure yeah that is so sweet i'm so i'm so glad to hear that yeah <laughs> no i'm yeah. i love my family so much they're the best how do you usually deal with creative block when you're um stuck on something because it seems like you're always producing some kind i mean it seems like fan art is something that's like a comfortable place for you but i'm wondering yeah. if you ever just get like stuck and you don't know what to do yeah, I've definitely gone through that before. I'm very lucky that I don't get art block too much. But when I do, it's like very aggressive. <laughs> I get like oh, very yeah. sad. Um, so like, really, I just stop. 
<laughs> and I think that's like an important thing to do. Like sometimes you just need to you just need to stop and like not draw for a while and like go do anything else. <laughs> like and I like I apply that to work too sometimes, which is like it's weird to kind of say that because like oh it's your job you should be doing your job all the time. But like I feel like when I'm at work and I'm like trying to force like a board yeah yeah out like while I have creative block it's like it's not gonna happen i'm gonna come out with like a product that i'm like not happy with so it like it gets harder and harder yeah exactly so i think it's like important to allow yourself to have those kinds of like oh i'm just gonna like today i'm not really gonna draw maybe necessarily like i'll look over the like if i want to be like productive on this board still like kind of look over my script again maybe and like make sure like the writing aspect is like good if I'm not feeling like drawing today um and like giving my hands a break and like just not drawing basically and like coming back the next day like a little bit more refreshed and ready to go the nice thing about working on a team too though for uh, boarding is that you have a board partner at least in my experience like on big city we have one board partner each so being able to like not necessarily like put extra work on them, but like, being able to like rely on them and be like, "Hey, this is like kind of what I'm going through right now." Mm-hmm. I and like them also kind of all, like I think all artists have kind of gone through that, so like they understand at least, and like I find comfort in not being alone in that situation. But yeah, just like knowing that you can take a break, and like usually when you do take a break, like you'll come out feeling a lot better. Like after yeah. you allow yourself that time. Yeah, it's it's not like other jobs where y- you know you're just doing tasks. Like yeah. it's it's requiring a shitload of brain power and like a lot of different skills all at once. And so like for sure, if you're not feeling it's it, easy to burn out. Yeah, if you're not if you're not in the mood, and not even in the mood, but if it's like if it's not working, then it's you got to take a step back and just give yourself like a day. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes. And I do that, like, for personal work, too. Like, I, I pretty much just, like, I only really do fan art most of the time anyway. So it's, like, eh, people, like, I have to tell myself, like, oh, like, it's fine if I, like, miss a day of, like, posting. Like, oh, God, <laughs> I can <yeah>, relax. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. there was definitely a point in time, like, when I was, like, uh, like in college where I was, like, I need to upload every day to, like, stay relevant and, like... Oh, my God, that's... Keep up with the, like, keep up with the algorithm and, like... Yeah. Make sure, like, I'm, like, staying relevant, basically, which was very damaging, so I do not recommend that. No kidding. But, like, since then, I have, like, learned that taking breaks and allowing yourself time to breathe will only, like, make you come up with better, like, a better product and, like, better content that like you'll like and other people will like and like there'll be more passion behind it and um yeah like you just make better stuff when you're into it and rested i think that's great advice yeah Yeah. there's a lot of like brain chemistry that i think happens that people don't want to admit sometimes yeah and it it really it's it has nothing because yeah i I feel the same i you know i sometimes want to push through burnout and it doesn't really work that way. Like it's, you know, sometimes you can, but it's totally okay to just literally let your brain rest. Like your brain just literally needs rest. Exactly. It's just firing off neurons all the time. Then it's just going to get tired. Yeah. 
like that was definitely like one of the most valuable things I learned like because it happened like in college it was like my junior year I was definitely just like drawing way too much posting all the time and then like it was like the same time I was like applying to like internships and all that kind of stuff and like getting rejected and I was just like it was just not a good brain space to be in but like I took a break like I just kind of like gave myself time to just not draw for like a few days and like I felt so much better after that like and it was like a small break too like it was literally like a weekend and I was just like oh I should do this more probably (laughs) yeah well I'm I'm impressed with how you managed to keep up like you you're always drawing but you're also just always posting on like TikTok and Twitter and like Again, this is old grump me, yeah. <laughs> but it's like I that stuff like just exhausts me. Like it, it, it I am impressed with. I guess I want to ask you like what motivates you to always post stuff on there because it's like it, it takes time out of out of your day. It's not just the drawing, but just to like kind of think about it and come up with interesting posts and interesting mm-hmm. TikToks and like you have a pretty huge following and it's like very impressive because like I said in the beginning, like it's all just you know genuine stuff yeah i mean like i think it's because it is genuine and because like i usually post stuff that like i really enjoy like it's pokemon stuff like i love like engaging with fandoms and like other people like like like-minded people that enjoy like the same things i do so i love making stuff that like makes people happy and like coming up with new like scenarios for characters that like the shows like or like the the media that they're from originally like would never do or like show them doing like for like Jesse and James like them just like being domestic together in like the sure. future like that's not going to happen in the show like ever it's endearing yeah so like being able to like put that out and like see other people's thoughts on it and like hearing like their ideas about like something similar is always like really sweet and it's um i just like the like creator and like audience kind of relationship I feel like it's like it's very unique there's definitely like a line that gets crossed sometimes I feel like uh but for the most part it's like a very like valuable experience to me and um yeah I just like love hearing what people have to say and um because like there's just so many like creative people out there and like even though like they don't necessarily like do art or like write fanfics or anything like sometimes i'll just like write like a little a little post or something on my post and it's just like the cutest like idea or like scenario that like i in turn get like really inspired by so i just like that back and forth kind of thing and it, it, it makes me like really excited to just make more stuff for people and also myself yeah cool that's great i i think that's actually super great to hear about like you interacting with the the fandoms and and because you know what it's something that's really super new to me i had never thought about like fandoms being like an active community until like very recently Mm -hmm. uh well we got a lot of good questions from twitter from our fans yes i'm very excited to hear these from your fans yay the first question from uh at cs TL underscore creaty underscore 27, I think. <laughs> what made you decide to go into storyboarding? 
Ooh, okay. That's actually pretty interesting because I actually, when I went into art, initially wanted to go into character design. Okay. And like viz dev. That was just like, I think what was like at the forefront of like everything. Like I didn't see like a lot of storyboards growing up, but I always saw like, oh, character design stuff. And like just looking at characters and being like, I want to do that. I like drawing characters. Um, So that was kind of my focus for like a while. But it was at CTN my sophomore year of college. I had like my portfolio, which was like mostly viz dev stuff. And I went up to this character designer's booth and like he was very kind and uh, gave me like a little portfolio review. And in my portfolio, I had like one board sample, just like literally a few panels. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he was actually like very impressed by my like character design stuff. But he, I think he like just saw something in like my boards that he really like just like spoke to him or something. But he was like, your character design stuff is really good, but like your boards, there's something about them. Like, have you ever tried boarding? Like giving boarding more of a shot? And I was like, oh, no, not really. But like, I could try. Um, and that like really just set me on the right path, I feel like, <laughs> to just like... No, that's great, yeah. Yeah, to just like trying boards out. And like, I found that I just really, really enjoyed it. And like, after that, like took more storyboarding classes. Like I, because in... My college, it was, like, the first two years are kind of just, like, oh, basic animation classes and also just, like, the, oh, other classes, like, woodshop and, like, learning, like, drawing one kind of classes. So my junior year, I got to choose more kind of, like, geared towards, like, what I actually wanted to do, which was perfect timing. So, like, after, like, that experience, I was like, oh, I should try, like, taking more storyboard classes then, which I did, and... I just like completely fell in love with storyboarding from there and yeah, pretty much continued to pursue that. And yeah, it was just great timing. Cause like for our school, we also had the Pixar summer story intensive cause we were up in Oakland. So it was really close to Pixar and most of our professors were Pixar like alumni pretty much. Mm-hmm. So six people from our school would get picked for this uh, summer story intensive pretty much. Um, based on our junior project or like junior review basically uh, so I had like a lot of boarding stuff in it and I got chosen for the Pixar summer story intensive which was really cool Damn, that's and, like, awesome. that was such a cool experience to have and just like really getting like knee deep into like storyboarding pretty much and that's kind of what like set me on that path I would say that's awesome yeah uh, V did you want to ask the next one yes from at Xylus, what was it like getting in contact with Michelle Knott, a.k.a. Jesse's voice actor? Michelle. Oh, my God. That was so fun. Like, it's so surreal <laughs> that that happened. Uh, is So Michelle Knott is Jesse's current English voice actor in Pokemon. Uh-huh, yeah. And she recently started doing Twitch because uh, I think, like, a lot of voice actors recently just started doing Twitch because, like, cons have kind of like been put on standby and are not happening and they're not getting like revenue or like money from like events like that anymore so like twitch is like kind of where they all turn to so michelle knotts started doing twitch streams and animal crossing was kind of like the first thing uh, she did because like if you remember at the beginning of quarantine like that was exactly when animal crossing came out yeah perfect timing yeah so she was doing animal crossing and then um 
she had like a pretty like small niche group of followers um on twitch and i got to be one of them and like Mm -hmm. she would open up her island to everybody and then like go to other people's islands and being like the team rocket freak that i am like my whole (laughs) like whole my whole like uh villagers house was just based on like team rocket stuff oh boy so she got to go and like see that and she was like so happy to see that like she's just like such a genuine person so she's just like oh my god this is so cool and like loved everything about it and like after that what was the next part after that because like we gone to each other's like islands a couple times and then she started doing smash brothers like every weekend and because I love Smash Brothers, <laughs> I started playing on her stream and I was like pretty much undefeated the whole time in her stream. And she's like, at one point, I was just like, we should get Kiana on the stream. Like, Kiana, I just want to hop in the Discord. I was like, uh, yes. Oh my God. Uh, so I got to like stream with her pretty much and just like, yeah, to talk to her. And That's get amazing. To know, like her other voice actor friends and stuff. And uh, since then, she's had me on her streams a few times for for like Among Us or for like other Smash streams and uh, other times just to like come on and talk. She's just like, oh, Keanu's here. Keanu, want to like hop on? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that is so cute. Yeah, that's really cute. I love those. Yeah, she's like the sweetest person ever. <laughs> so shout out to Michelle. Go follow her Twitch. Shout out. <laughs> Next question is from at SML Captain. What's your dream project? Dream project. Ooh, I mean, is it any surprise to say like Pokemon, <laughs> like anything? <laughs> I feel like I've been like screaming that into the void for like, I don't know, like the past two years on Twitter, just being like, I want to work on something Pokemon. I feel like it'll, I feel like it'll happen for you. Some, I hope so. Someday in some capacity, it'll happen yeah. for you. Um, but yeah, I've like always been very vocal about like, oh, I just want to like work on Pokemon cards or like pokemon merch like literally anything like i just want to get my hands on pokemon stuff yeah. so like that would be like the dream project and like the dream dream project would be like doing a team rocket spin-off of sorts oh boy oh my god that would be so great uh, you're I the would, person to do it i would love it but outside of that like yeah just like making my own show i feel like i i just really enjoy like cute slice of life stuff and i would just like to write like a cute slice of life story i think like anything like that not like i don't have anything like super well thought out but like that would just be like a fun project i would love to work on with my friends and stuff like that sure yeah nice that's the dream that sounds great yeah yeah that is the dream <laughs> yes having a show <laughs> from uh at the uh, david draws david h draws david h draws as a storyboard artist, is it your job to sync the audio slash dialogue to your animatic? Uh, no, it's not on our show. I know it is on other shows, though, which yeah. I have to say I am not really for. <laughs> no, that's that's way too much. Yeah, that's the editor's job. And like, if board artists are going to do that, they should get paid for it. Yeah. But yeah, that's not our job. Like on Big City Greens, at least, our job is only to like get the outline or the script and like look it over. And then either come up with, like, new dialogue or, uh, like, all the jokes and everything and, like, figure out the staging and, like, pitching it, basically. And then after that, you hand it off to your director. And the director is the one that handles, like, like the fixes from, like, the exec notes and everything. And, like, the editor does, like, all the fun sound stuff and uh, figuring that out and, like, all the timing and whatnot. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. <laughs> At Stinky Doo Doo Boy. Yes. <laughs> asks. Love it. What keeps the Team Rocket shipping spice alive? There is so much. Oh God. Oh, like in the show, it's it's me. It's only me. I'm the only one. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's um, just you. Just keeping the me. flame lit. Yeah. <laughs> No, like, in the show, there's always been, like, I feel like in earlier seasons, specifically, like, it's always been, like, hinted at, and, like, I feel like most people who do ship, like, Jesse and James kind of, like, hold on, like, with, like, a death grip to, like, that one manga from, like, the 90s where it shows Jesse and James together, and, like, Jesse's pregnant, (laughs) and they're just, like, married and happy, and it's so sweet, but, so, like, it's, I think, like, they're supposed to be endgame, but, like, since the series went on, like, so much longer than I think anybody anticipated, they just kind of, like, dropped it for a little bit. There's still always, like, little hints in the show where they're, like, really sweet to each other, and you're like, oh, okay, cute. But otherwise, there's, like, not too much. It's just, like, it's a lot of, like, like I said, like, fandom kind of, like, like artists like myself just, like, drawing, like, Jesse and James together or, like, fanfic authors just continuing to write stuff about uh, Jesse and James and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it's a good ship. It's, like, the OG ship from Pokemon other than, like, Ash and Misty, I think. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah, there's something weird about that one. I don't That's know. That's fair. <laughs> Ash it's, and Misty. They're just, like, yeah, I don't, like, I feel weird shipping kids they're children yeah they're children and like i don't know there's something about it yeah that's why like as much as like i'm like yeah that's cute it's like i never really draw it because i'm like i don't even want to bother like i'll just look at jesse and james they're fun and good and adults yeah they're adults (laughs) how old are they supposed to be canonically uh 25 Really? Okay. Yeah. I, figured, I thought there maybe there was some like anime logic where they're actually like fifteen, even though they clearly yeah, are. Yeah, that's like oh yeah, that's like that's like huge discourse in the fandom. Actually, oh, oh shit, I get that all the time because like whenever I draw like Jesse and James, they're like, "Why are you drawing them like this? They're kids. And, like, oh. They're literally not." Yeah. But please yeah. Google, because <laughs> like they're yeah. Check your facts. Yeah. So they're definitely 25 based on, like, mostly stuff from, like, the 90s, which is why, like, if people don't know, like, they don't know. But, like, I was, like, there's always, like, a post that's, like, trying to call me out for, like, eh, they're, like, teenagers, don't draw them Welcome to Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But I'm, like, I promise, like, if they were, if there was, like, any chance that they were teenagers, I would not be drawing them nearly as much as I do because that would be weird. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, they're uh, canonically 25. Got it. Yes. Hear that, internet? <laughs> Please, I'm begging you. Leave Kiana alone. Leave me alone. From at Stupid Art Punk. How often do you change your approach to a board? Do you have a system in place or you try something new each time? I feel like I kind of generally have the same approach every time. I've recently had to change it a couple times, like within the past like few months, just because um, I've had three like when i first started working i was working with caldwell tanner very Mm -hmm. cool drawfy internet boy i love him so much but he recently left disney so when i came back from like hiatus i was working with raj bergenen another fantastic artist so like having to like after boarding like caldwell was my first board partner so like after boarding with him 
for so long and like suddenly kind of having to like switch my methods up like on top of like oh COVID's happening and we're all like working from home and like that situation um I definitely had to resituate and figure out how I wanted to go about boarding with like a new board partner and also like boarding from home and me and Raj were only board partners for this like one special until we hired more board artists so now I have another board partner Eric Brown who's also incredibly talented um pretty green and like new to like uh working in a studio and like figuring out how to like work with him and like figuring out like our senses of humor and like how to best like break up a board and like who would do best for like what parts so in that way my approach has kind of changed but like for the most part it's definitely still like on my end at least like oh get an outline uh kind of look it over note up anything that I notice is like kind of weird or like that I think wouldn't necessarily translate into boards super well figuring out like dialogue adding like extra jokes if I feel like I could add them or like plus like what the outline already has and then discussing with my board partner afterwards to make sure everything hooks up and like both giving each other like critique and like seeing if there's any place we could like improve and then yeah after that just start boarding and then it's that five week long process of like boarding and pitching and boarding and pitching and then clean up pretty much Mm. yeah pretty straightforward cool yeah (laughs) (laughs) I will say that it is different on like pretty much every show. Yes, yes, yes. So when I was boarding for the like Steven Universe anti-racism PSA, it was definitely a bit of a different approach than I would usually do because like for one, it was like me working on my own, and then um, a much like much faster turnaround just because it was like it's a it's a shorter project, and um, what they were demanding for me wasn't like as much as Disney was just because like it's chromosphere so like they were going to animate it in like in-house so like my boards could be like a lot more rough and like loose and relaxed oh interesting okay yeah yeah because like they have like people there that are like knowledgeable and like are able to read boards and interpret them like in the way that like they want to so it was very fun working with them and like working with an animation studio that like works and animates in-house rather than uh a show where you Everything has to, like, all your boards have to be, like, clean and, like, perfect before they're sent overseas. So that was a really cool experience for me. Cool. From friend of the show, at Brendan Hong. (gasps) What are some stories that you'd like to see be greenlit? What stories aren't being serviced in the industry today? And what would you like to see less of? Very good questions. Oh, man. That's so hard to say because I'm, like, really not a picky person like there's not very many cartoons on tv right now that i'm like uh i've seen this before i don't really want to watch it like everything like i've tuned into like i'm like genuinely interested in but i think like in general just like (laughs) i would love to see more female creators and like people of color stories Mm -hmm. from people of color especially like black women like the fact that like there's only one show that I can think of made by a black woman or like show run by a black woman Mm -hmm. which is Backyard Agains like from how many years ago Mm -hmm. kind of sad yeah it's very (laughs) sad yeah I feel like there's so many black women out there that have just like so many interesting and like different stories to tell Mm -hmm. just based on like even stuff that I see on Twitter like black women are so creative and they have just like so many good 
ideas that I want to see being made and like they're just not getting that chance to yeah Mm. so like in general I would just like to see more of that like no like genre in particular Mm -hmm. like pretty much like any show or any sort of like genre of show with like a black lead (laughs) would be so cool like action show with a black lead the like shonen like esque anime with a black lead just like something different in that way and like i feel like having like that different voice will bring something different to like that genre like even if it's like a genre that you think like oh like i've seen like something written like this before i think just by like having a different voice yeah or a different kind of perspective will be like enough to be like oh this is like a fresh new take definitely so yeah that's definitely my hope for the animation industry i would say mm-hmm. from at uh dino lish lish which i never know how to say megan this. Yeah. megan is great i love her she will definitely come on the show eventually yes <laughs> oh my god i would love to learn more about megan <laughs> why is meowth the best member of the team rocket oh my god yes meowth is great oh he's like one of the only like talking pokemon like in the show like that's so cool (laughs) i love him like there's pokemon in the show that like can use telepathy and everything but he's like the only one that like actively taught himself how to talk and i think that's just like the coolest thing ever and all because he wanted a girlfriend (laughs) which is like can't we all relate and it didn't even work out with i know (laughs) but it's okay the tragedy of meowth yes but it's okay. He found friends that care about him very much. Yes. Found family. Found family. And then this is the last question, and it's very important. All right. From at Pira Pirana, favorite boba shop in Los Angeles. Oh, no. I'm going to get so much hate for this. Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah. <laughs> I am a fake Asian, and I do not oh, like boba that Kiana. much. <laughs> we'll edit this out because yeah. you are... <laughs> fucked if you if this gets out <laughs> this can't get out nobody yeah. can know uh no I'm, it's like boba is growing on me like i like i like boba like the tapioca balls i just don't like milk tea okay it's just milk tea and like i would like to grow like a taste for it because like i would like to be cool <laughs> like all my friends i think boba is kind of like you need to have it done the right way because i think that it can be gross and like i've had bad boba i've had good boba and when Mm -hmm. it's good it's good like when it's fresh and like the flavors are good right it makes sense you know yeah it's like i mean i don't hate it it's just like not the kind of thing i would normally go for but like oh man being in like hawaii and like having to tell my friends every time like i really like boba i'm sorry <laughs> we could go to the boba place still like i'll just get a smoothie or something they're just like uh, kiana it's not the same i'm like no this doesn't affect you i don't understand honestly yeah you should be able to just get a smoothie if you want. yeah <laughs> yes what are your thoughts on shaved ice oh shaved ice is the best i love it's, it's the so shit good. it's so good i didn't know i didn't like well so i thought that when i heard shaved ice i thought of like snow cones 
Right. And I think snow cones are disgusting. Very different. And like, yeah, yeah, we went to Hawaii and completely like completely different experience. Man, it's like it's ice cream, but it's light. Yeah, it's like so smooth and oh man. And they yeah, give you I, these gigantic oh buckets. <laughs> so yes. It's like overkill. It's oh, great. Oh man, the like shopping center near my house in Hawaii, like it had such good shave ice. But like the um, and we like I would go there all the time, like after hikes and like after hanging out with friends. But, like, the place to go in Hawaii is, like, um, the North Shore, um, mm-hmm. which is, like, North Oahu. And it's this place called Matsumoto Shave Ice. And it's super popular. But, like, and, like, there's always, like, a huge line just, like, wrapping around, like, the whole, like, building. But they've got it, like, so down to a system now that, like, the line just goes, like, so fast. And, like, every time I'm up there, like, I have to get Matsumoto Shave Ice. And it's so good. But, yeah, Shave Ice is definitely one of my favorite desserts, I think. And mochi ice cream, if you guys have ever oh, had yeah. mochi ice cream. Yeah, I got some, uh, yeah, I, I did it all. <laughs> it yes. was, I had to try everything. It's so good. Well, that's the end of this creative block. Thanks to Kiana for being our guest and sharing her story. Yay, thank you for having me. And thanks to our listeners. Follow us on Twitter, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to my sister, Clements, for editing the podcast. And uh, please subscribe to the channel if you love our content. I've been your host, Jean. And I was V. Keep being creative, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.